This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. And as I get started in my talk today, like Pastor Kevin said, we're just going to share on some things that, that we've learned in this past season. And for me, one of the things I learned was that in order to lead well, you need to build personal relationships with the people in your life. Personal relationships with the people in your life. And so what does that mean? To me, it means just to, to get to know their story, to take time to really know who they are, take time to find out about their, their family, find out about their hobbies, find out about the things that they enjoy doing. And for me, that really isn't something that comes easy because I'm the kind of person that I'm very task-oriented. I, I get a task that I'm, I'm ready to do, and I just I want to attack it, get it done. And sometimes I miss that part of those relationships with the people that I get to team with to be able to do that. And, and many times it's not that simple just doing the task, but it really requires vulnerability. And vulnerability is just in those moments when we realize that there, there's areas that, that we lack in. There's some things that, that we're not strong in, that we need people around us, that you got to be willing to say, hey, I can't do this. I need your help. And it's tough for me at times to be vulnerable, to be able to walk into those moments, to, to build those relationships. But leading in this production team over this past season has been a huge blessing for me. Like I said, as we got ready to launch that campus back in the spring, they jumped in, were ready to go in an area where there's a lot of pressure. Because, like I said, nobody knows those guys are back there until something goes wrong. Week in and week out, we walk in here, church happens. But in those moments when something happens, those guys are on top of it. They, they don't get frustrated. They make it happen. They work together as a team. And, and one of the, the things, just last Sunday, if you guys were here, you heard me mention that I kind of overslept a little bit last Sunday. And I'm responsible for making sure the computers, iPads, that kind of stuff gets here. And once my team knew I was okay, once my team was done laughing at me for, for oversleeping, they, they got together and they worked hard and they made sure that church happened. And in a moment like that, it could have been stressful. They could have been like, well, John's just being lazy today, or, or John wanted me to do all the work, so, so that's why he slept in. But because of the relationship that we have, we, we understood that moment, and we were ready to just get the job done and, and create an environment for people to come in and experience Jesus. And watching them handle that, just it made me realize how important these relationships are. And I want to ask you guys a question. Has anybody ever been in a high-stress situation? Anybody been in a high-stress situation? I know there's a lot more than the five people that raised their hands. Last week was one of those that was a little bit more stressful than we like to be in. But when you guys have been in that situation, what generally happens? Right away, we start to get angry. We start to point fingers at people saying that's their fault and that's not my responsibility or my job to fix that. But when that happens, it's because we're looking at it at a surface level. We're, we're looking at it, that task that I talked about that I try to jump in and just take care of that. But we've got to dig deeper. We've got to build those relationships with the people around us. Because in those moments, those relationships are vital. Because we're prepared for those moments. We don't know that moment's going to happen. We don't know what is taking place in that moment. But because of the relationships that we have, when we get there, it's a lot easier to navigate 
those situations. And that's just not with my production team. When, when we look at that for our lives, yeah, that's our family. That's our marriages. That's our friendships. That's our jobs. That's in coaching. Any area that we have people around us, building those relationships is so important. Because it's not if, it's when those high-stress situations. It's when things are going to go wrong. We're prepared for that, and we don't look at it just the surface level, but we look at it on the relationship level, and we can navigate those. And the more that we get to know someone, I know for me personally, I tend to give more grace. The more I get closer to somebody, the more I understand their situation. But it's the opposite when I don't know their story. Then I, I, I tend to assume that, oh, well, like I said, it's, it could be, well, they're just trying to be lazy today, or they want me to do more of the work. But when I know the story, I tend to give a lot more grace. But when we don't do that the right way, it creates more tension and more stress in our lives. And we see the opposite of that when it's true, when we do build those relationships, that we do give that grace. And we see that in the life of Jesus. And I want to read a scripture to you guys today, and it's in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5, and it says this. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, and he fellowship together in the Spirit. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Do not look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ did. The same attitude that Christ did. When he walked this earth, he built relationships. He built relationships with everybody, but especially those that were close to him through their good times, through the bad times. Jesus sat down and he ate a meal and he invited people and he sat down and he built relationships because that was the best way that he could love them. The best way that he could show them grace was to get to know them. And over the past season, that's something that I've really struggled in. And, and it's been tough for me to look at that and see that I need to work on that. But the more I build those relationships, the more it's allowed me to have that grace. And, and the next time something like that happens, I just I, I want to encourage you guys just to stop for a minute before you get angry, before you get upset at that. Just realize that, hey, this is, this is a person that's involved in this. Get to know them. And too many times we jump to the conclusions and when we do that, it creates that, that stress and it creates that tension. But I want you to ask the person when that happens, just sit down with them and say, hey, is everything okay? This isn't like you. What's going on? What can I do to help? Because when we allow love and grace to lead our relationships, it brings healing and peace. So as I close today, I want to ask you, is there a relationship right now in your life that there's that tension, there's that stress? Is there someone in your life that you need to sit down and have that conversation? Build that relationship with them, and I promise you it's going to bring healing and peace. And, you know, I've served in this role now for four years, uh, but I've been in ministry for 15. Um, and that does not make me a, a veteran um, or an expert by any means. But what it has done is it's afforded me the experience um, to go through the different seasons of ministry and really to lean into what God has for me in those seasons. And this current season um, is really fun because what God's teaching me is what happens when you don't give up. 
Um, you see, it was about a year ago, actually, to the date, um, that I, ha- I sat down and I had a very honest uh, conversation with our pastor. And I just said, you know what? I'm tired. I, I-, I feel the weight. And I kind of feel like given up. But just to give you some history, there was about a year. At this point, we had been doing in-person services for a year after five months of being online only during COVID. So March 2020, my team, we were strong, about 60 volunteers. Well, we came back after being online only uh, in September of 2020 with 24 volunteers. Y'all, that's over half of the team and they were awesome they were so great they wore multiple hats they served every Sunday they didn't complain but honestly I felt the weight I felt the weight that God had called me to do something but he wasn't giving me the resources to do it and I don't know if any of you can relate to that maybe you're sitting here in these seats right now and you're saying you know God I know that you've called me to lean in, to read my Bible, to spend more time with you. And I would if only I had more time to do it. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're, you're saying, you know, I get a paycheck every week. And God, you've, you've provided this. And I know you've called me to, to tithe, to give back to the ministry that supports that. And I would, God, if only I had the money to do it. Or, or maybe it's your kids. Maybe you're sitting here and you know God has told you to invest in their spiritual journey. That's what we're called to do as parents. And you're sitting there thinking, God, I would if only I had the energy at the end of the day to have a conversation or, or to read them a Bible story. Well, guys, I want to tell you, and I know this personally, that we serve a God that can meet all of your needs for his glory. So if you're sitting here saying, if only, I can't do this because your if onlys are bigger, then maybe what you, you're putting more faith in what you don't have than who you do have. And so this is where I was. This is where I was a year ago. I was saying, you know, how can I do this? How can I trust God with what's next? And it was at that point that I'm so thankful for God's grace. I'm so thankful for for his word because there was uh, this verse that I just kept leaning into. It was almost like every time I'd read it, it was God kicking me in the tail, telling me to keep going. And that's Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Y'all, I don't know what God's called you to. But if he's called you to it, it's good. So don't get tired of doing the work that he's called you to. You know why? Well, because at the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Plain and simple. If you leave here today with anything, it's don't give up on God. Because, y'all, he's generous, and he wants to give you more than you can ask or imagine. But he's also holy. He's not going to give it to you until you're ready. He wants to know that he can trust you in the bad times so that you'll, he wants you to trust him in the bad times so that he can, he can be with you in the good times. And you know, I'm standing up here today because I didn't quit, but I can also stand up here in front of you and say that because I didn't quit, 
Not only has God rebuilt our team to what they were before COVID, he's made it bigger. And you know what? He's also made it stronger. There are leaders popping left and right out of our team. And it's not because of anything that I did. It's just because I showed up. And it's because they showed up, and they were ready, and they were willing. And what's even more, you know, that God that we serve that can, that can bless you abundantly, well, he's blessed my family. Because what else I have seen him do is I've seen him ignite a passion in my kids. Y'all, they're here at 645 every morning, every Sunday morning, setting up alongside of me. They saw what it was like when the workers were few. And God used that. He used that, that not only now are they coming to church, but they're being the church. He is capable and he is able. Just don't give up and trust him. I've been here at Vortex for quite a few years now. I think I started coming somewhere around fifth grade, and that was cool because I got to grow up middle school and high school here. And, and, you know, seeing through that, I got to see the start of the student ministry that we have today, which was really cool for me. And I got to graduate up through that. And that was about two years ago when I graduated. And after I graduated, Pastor Kevin offered me an internship. So for the past two years, I've been coming in on Thursdays. Um, that's my designated day. It still is. And I would just come in and listen and watch and kind of learn about what church was like outside of a Sunday morning. And that was cool. I never really thought about the work that you know went into it. Um, and that's really how it looked like at the beginning. I didn't have too much responsibility. But they came to me one day, and they said, Zach, you know, we got something for you to do. And I got excited because I wanted to contribute some more. I said, Zach, why don't you start taking out the trash? Yeah, that's, that's kind of about how I felt when that happened, too. But, um, you know, I, I'm thankful for the small responsibilities that I had back then because I feel like being faithful in the smaller responsibilities lets you be more faithful with the bigger responsibilities. And one of the bigger responsibilities that I have now is helping to lead students. And back when I was a student, I was the quiet, shy kid in class. Um, I, I never got in trouble for talking in class. Although if you ask Amanda Simmons, she'd tell you that I did get in trouble for talking in her class one time. Um, I'll leave it there. It might have happened one time. But I really was quiet. And it started showing really bad in high school. It started affecting my grades badly. I was a sophomore in history class, and my teacher told us that we'd have to do a presentation in front of the class. Shy Zach in the back of the class was panicking, you know, not wanting to talk in front of people. And I went up to him one day after class, and I told him that I wasn't going to present, and I was okay taking a zero. And that's, that's just who I was. And if, I mean, I still feel that inside of me. But So with that being said, I never really thought I'd be able to do something like this, and I never thought I'd be able to lead other people consistently. So through this past season of ministry, I feel like that's what I've been learning, is how I've needed to adapt to better become a leader. And right now, the biggest thing for me in that is just being true um, to who God wants me to be. And I'm only 20 years old, so I don't really know who I am. I don't, I don't think I'll know who I am in five, 10 years from now. But I was reading over the curriculum that we're going to teach the uh, middle school students this month, and one of the points kind of hit me because of how much related to what I wanted to talk about here, so I thought I'd share it with you. And it goes like this. Just like you can tell a lot about a tree by the fruit that it produces, you can tell a lot about a person by the qualities that they have. And, you know, I want to make sure that I possess the qualities that will allow me to be a better leader. I don't want to 
be the person that says one thing and then goes out and does another. I, I want my words to be backed up by my actions. And Paul lists these qualities out in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you know, looking over this, every time I look over the list, I get convicted by one or multiple of these um, qualities because I know I don't possess them how I should. And a step I've taken in, you know, trying to start to express these qualities better is just looking for areas in my life where I can, you know, use them. Um, like, for example, like say something this, this happens over here. I can use some more patience right here. Or that happened, I can definitely use some more self-control here. Um, and, you know, it's really simple. It's been simple for me. I thought it would be something that would be hard, but I found it to be simple, and it's been very beneficial. I encourage you all to go out and try that because I believe it would be beneficial for you too. But I want to lead with these qualities because if I'm leading with what the Holy Spirit produces, then I'm leading people to God. You know, starting out as a leader, I feel like a good baseline is to just make sure I'm leading people to the right place. And the right place is God. I lead people to God through what the Holy Spirit produces. And overall, I have seen growth in myself over the past couple of years. That kid back in high school, he, um, he let fear drive his decision that day. But because of what the Holy Spirit has produced in me, I'm up here on stage talking to you lovely people. And like I said, I'm still learning about you know, who I am and how to be a better leader. But I'm excited to see where that takes me. So, thank you. Now, as I head into my message today... Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, but before I start uh, and we read through these verses, I want to give you a background. Um, the disciples are actually having an argument with each other. They're, they're arguing over who they think is the greatest. I imagine that this is something like brothers and sisters argue over who the favorite kid is. This is what I'm imagining the disciples are arguing like. And, and they go to see Jesus. So let's pick, pick it up right here in verses 1 through 4. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children... You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. See, he knew they were arguing. In other words, you know, in the way that Jesus would kind of humble them a little bit was like, if you don't change your attitudes, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> or that, that might be the way I would say it to my kids. Um, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, as someone walking into kids ministry for the very first time 10 years ago, what I knew about kids was that they're messy, they um, are a lot of work, they're needy, and what Jesus was saying was not making a whole lot of sense to me. But what I can tell you is that over these last 10 years, um, it's become really clear of what Jesus was leading them to, and, and I want to talk about that, and that's what it's like to have a childlike faith. So I just want to go through a few observations with you in the rest of my time as to what I've seen here in these last 10 years of what it means to have a childlike faith. So let's look at number one. My first observation, childlike faith trusts. I see kids coming into church and they are clinging on to their parents as they get ready to drop them off into the nursery or preschool. And what that is is a display of trust over their parents to be their protector they don't have to think about it. 
And God wants us to trust like children. The second observation is that God, childlike faith forgives. Miss Rhonda in preschool can tell you about this one. When there's two kids that are playing together and then all of a sudden they come running to you, one is crying because clearly one has hurt the other. And as quick as you can get an apology from one, there's a quicker I forgive you. And they continue on with the joy that they were just having. They don't hold grudges. And yeah, God wants us to love, wants us to forgive like children. The third observation is that childlike faith seeks. Kids ask a whole lot of questions. The world is new to them and they just want to learn to know more and, and they're not ashamed to ask the questions and say that they don't know. And as adults, I think sometimes that maybe it's pride we stop asking the questions. Or, or maybe we just look for the answers in the wrong places, but God wants us to seek like children. The next observation, childlike faith, loves. Kids are natural huggers, and they're like the, I'm going to run into your arms and hug you and squeeze you tight kind of huggers. They don't hold back their affection. They love without limits, and God wants us to love like children. And then my last observation, probably my favorite, childlike faith hopes. I love that kids have hopes and dreams and wishes. They believe that anything is possible. And as we get older, I think we doubt a little too often. And kids are our reminder of what it really means to believe in the unseen. See, childlike faith is exactly what God wants for his children. And if I go back to the verse, it's important for me to call out that Jesus wanted all of his disciples to be great. But in his kingdom, not the world's. And in a world, just quite honest, feels a little unsettling right now. It's scary at times, very uncertain. I want us to, to leave today with this reminder that God wants us to trust him through it. He wants to forgive when it could be easy to just stay offended. He wants us to seek him for the truth. He wants us to love, love others a whole lot more than we love ourselves. And let's end on this. Let's be reminded today of the hope that we have in God's promise of greatness in his kingdom. We're going to get in here. And one thing I have learned in ministry is that it's not easy. And ministry can be so tough. And it's not necessarily the people you deal with. For me, it's the, having patience. Like God... It, his timing and my timing don't align. Like, I love the microwave. You know, I don't like a slow cooker. I want everything microwaved. I want it quick. I want it fast. I want it done. And me and God's timing, we don't always align. But I feel like this year, maybe more than any other year in the past, he is just telling me to be patient. Remain faithful. You know, know that he has got this. Even when I can't see it. You know, there's so many things that God does in our lives that we can't see. We can't see the process. But he's just telling me to remain faithful. And that's what scripture says, too, about faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I was not always good with this in my life. Like, if I couldn't see it, then I didn't believe it. 
For so long, I held on to my past, past struggles, past events, past actions, whatever it may be. I held on to my past so tight that I did not create space in my life for God to come in and do a work in me. So today, if you take anything from, from what I'm saying, I just I want to encourage you and plead with you, don't do that. Don't hold on to your past events. Don't let them keep, keep you from tapping into what God, God has for you. Sometimes our own understanding can get in the way of what God is capable of. And I don't want that for you. Instead, I want you to have faith. Have confidence and be assured that God, he created you on purpose and for a purpose. And ultimately, make sure and allow him, open up, let him be the center of your life. And you know, me personally, I like to keep things somewhat simple. Otherwise, I disconnect. Like I said, I'm a microwave guy. I disconnect if it gets too complicated. So it, my daily life, every day in my life, I try to do just three simple things so that I make sure that God is in my life. And the first thing I do is I get into Scripture. I get into the Word of God. Now, I'm not a disciplined person, so I might not get up at 5 a.m. every morning, but I make sure that my Bible is open every day and that I'm reading something into it because I believe the Bible, it's as alive today as it's ever been. And this is our foundation of life. These are, this is the spoken life from God. So I get into scripture, but I also step into serving. There are many years ago that I just, I prayed to God and I said, you know what? I'm not going to say no to an opportunity again. I am going to say yes to the opportunities you put in my life. I love the opportunities that he puts in my life. And I just have to say yes to those. But I love serving my family. I love serving my community. I love serving at our church. So I make sure I'm stepping into serving. And maybe most importantly, but also one of the easiest things to do is to stay in contact with God. This is just through prayer, guys. By yourself, with your family, with your friends. I make sure that I pray in the mornings. I pray in the evenings. I pray before I come to church, before I even get into God's house. I'm asking him to, to free that space in my heart so that he can, he can come inside of me and pour some, pour some goodness in there. So those are the things that I do. I'm not sure what your life looks like, but those are the things that I do to make sure that God is the center of my life because he is my hope. God is my hope, and, he, and the hope of the future will always be greater than the pain of our past. We just have to lean into God. When times are tough, we just got to lean into God. We just got to stay faithful. We've got to trust him and let him lead us. So to get started in my message, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember as a kid what you wanted to be when you grew up? Think about it hard. I know some of you are like, man, that was 50 years ago, Maddie. <laughs> some of you are like, I have no idea. What did you want to be when you grew up? And to me, over my life, I realized that this that answer to that question has changed so many times. You see, I remember vividly in first grade, I had the dream of working at McDonald's. I um, wanted to be a cashier, and I, I really don't know why. Um, I probably just enjoyed eating at McDonald's and uh, playing in the playhouse. So I just, I had a dream of playing or working at McDonald's. I know you're probably like, wow, that's a, that's a big dream, Maddie. Um, but that changed. Um, in middle school, I loved playing softball. Um, I played it almost every weekend. I put a lot of work into it, so I was like, man, I would love to play professional softball. But that changed. Um, in high school, I still played softball, but I realized that that wasn't 
what I wanted to do. Um, in high school, I really didn't have a dream. I just, I was in the present. I was like, I'm living in the moment. I don't, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm just, I'm just going to be in high school. And really one of my desires was to be in love. I wanted to have a boyfriend, um, like most of you probably did. Um, but that changed as well. Um, in the first part of college, I, I still had the desire of getting married one day, having a family, but also, you know, when you graduate high school, everybody's like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to study in college? Like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I honestly still had no idea. Um, I was like, you know, I love kids, so I might as well just be a teacher. I'll just take the easy route and be a teacher. And, you know, that that changed, too. Um In the middle of studying to be a teacher, I felt like the Lord called me to be in ministry. And so all of those things changed in my life. I did not work at McDonald's. I was not a softball player. I was not a teacher. I'm single. I don't have a boyfriend. I'm not married. I don't have a family of my own. And I realized none of those things happened. In fact, the quite opposite happened for me. And honestly, that was really hard. It was really hard because I was going through life and I had all these dreams and none of it happened. But there was something greater that I realized, something that I was missing, something that was missing in my life. And honestly, it comes from one verse in the Bible. And so I want to look at that today. It's in Psalms 37, 4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. What does it say first? Take delight in the Lord, and then he will give you your heart's desires. I think oftentimes we're like, God, I want to be this. I want to do this. I see myself doing this before we even take delight in who he is. And that was my problem. I was trying to determine my desires, my dreams, before I was delighting myself in God. And honestly, that's still hard for me. I catch myself, not only this past week, but oftentimes I find myself, man, I want to be this, but I'm not delighting myself in the Lord first. But I've learned something through this verse that God will align our hearts to his will as we delight ourselves in him. We have to delight ourselves before God gives us our heart's desires. And honestly, when we delight ourselves in God, our heart's desires end up changing. You see, in this, in this season, delighting in God has redirected what my desires are completely. If you would have asked me three, four years ago, If I would be up here speaking, not only in front of everybody, but speaking the word of God, I would have said, nope, I would not be doing that. But here I am, not only today, but I get to speak to your middle school and high school students every single month. You see, God, once I delighted myself in God, he changed my desires. And now I'm standing here, you know, I had the dream of 
being married and having a family. And honestly, I would have said I would have had both of those things now. But God had different plans. You see, I'm standing here single today. Because when I delighted myself in God, I realized, I didn't realize how much God loved me. I needed to know that I was loved by God before I knew that someone else loved me. And not only that, I've learned so much about friendships, and God has blessed me so much with lifelong friendships that I would have never had if he would have given me a boyfriend or a husband or a family. So I want to ask you two questions today as I close. What is a desire in your life right now that's not being met? What is that desire? Maybe you desire of working for another job or something in your family, or you're like me and you desire having a family of your own. What is it? What's, being, what's not being met right now? But the second question I have for you is, are you delighting yourself in God first? Because if we look at that scripture, that's what we're called to do. And so I want to encourage you today, if God can take that young girl who had the dream of working at McDonald's to the softball player, to being in love, to be here today speaking to you, He can meet your desires, too. They just might look a little different than you think. Thank you. With anything, though, there are always ups and downs. Um, Personally, in my life, I have experienced a lot of anxiety. Um, My past self would not admit that to you, though. She would have you convinced that she's this carefree spirit who's never had a worry in the world, but she would be lying. Um, Through ministry, though, even though I haven't been here super long, I have learned that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. And with that, I want to talk to you about some guys who fell asleep on boats. So the first story is in Jonah. It's Jonah and the whale. Um, When I was little, my Nana would tell you that this was my favorite bedtime story. I don't know what that says about me, but anyways. If you don't know the story of Jonah and the whale, Jonah is called to go to Nineveh and he is not really wanting to do that so he's like God I'm I'm gonna run away and he gets on this boat and he's with a couple other guys and he falls asleep on this boat it starts storming and these guys are like yeah Jonah's the problem let's get him off this boat so they throw him off and he gets swallowed up by this whale and spit back to Nineveh where he was supposed to be the whole time then the next one is in Matthew 8 this is where Jesus is with his disciples on a boat And once again, it starts to storm, but Jesus is sleeping, and his disciples wake him up. They're like, God, come on, wake up. Like, this storm's going to kill us. Um, That part was a little bit paraphrased, but this part isn't paraphrased. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Then he makes peace with the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves calm down, and the sea is at peace. So the difference between these stories is that one represents the feeling of being calm and the other represents the feeling of having peace in God. And sometimes in our lives, things can be calm while we're running away from the Lord. And 
we don't even realize it sometimes. It's, it's kind of like when you're binging Netflix for like four hours and you haven't moved. I've definitely never done that. But you're binging the show and you watch it and then you watch the season finale, but you don't know that it's the season finale until the end credits roll and there's no button that says next episode. And you're like, oh no, like, please don't let me be alone with my thoughts. No, thank you. Give me something else. I wanna ask you, what are you trying to fill the void with today? What are you trying to fill the God-sized void that can only be filled by him? What I found is that peace is in prayer and meditation. And prayer and meditation doesn't always have to mean getting on your knees, getting on your face, crying out to God, which is not a bad thing. I've done that many times in my life. But it can also be just sitting in his presence, not saying anything, just being like, yo, God, hey, I love you. (laughs) And peace is steadfast through every season. It's always there. The peace of the Lord is always with you. John 16, says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us that he's overcome the whole world. He's overcome our calm. He's overcome our chaos. He's overcome our work, our relationships, our sickness. He's overcome all of it. So be at peace because the wind and the waves still obey our God. So maybe you're like Jonah. Maybe you're trying to search for the calm so that you can fill the God-sized void. Or maybe you're like the disciples and all you see is the chaos that surrounds you. Just like Jesus showed the disciples when he calmed the storm, I want to remind you that peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. Thank you and peace out. Most of you guys by now know um, the story of our struggle with infertility. We tried for two years to get pregnant, um, multiple rounds of failed treatment. And it wasn't until after we stopped our treatment that two months later we found out that we were pregnant with my first little boy, Knox. Um, During that season, God taught me so much about surrender and what it means to um, just rest in his faith, even when it's painful, even when you're not sure what the outcome is going to be, just to believe in his plan. I'm in a different season of life now. You have two young boys. I'm a full-time nurse, a wife, and now a a worship pastor. But man, is God still teaching me a thing or two about how to surrender. I've learned since I've taken this role that ministry not only requires service to other people, but it requires surrender. And Paul actually talks about this in the book of 1 Corinthians as he's writing his letter to the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God of one kind or another. So in this verse, Paul's saying that, you know, we're all given a gift that's specific to us. It's a gift from God. Now, this doesn't mean that all of our gifts are the same. And in fact, it's a wonderful thing that they're not. Your gift may be the ability to to go up to someone and pray in public without fear or to, to serve coffee to people like me that live on caffeine. And you do it with so much joy that it's just infectious. I mean, my husband tells me all the time that he wishes I could sing like him, but here we are, you know. But, but seriously, whatever that gift may be, it's a gift that is given to us from God with a purpose of use to further his kingdom. And this means that no gift is inconsequential. They are all equally important in the eyes of the Lord. 
So please don't ever believe that whatever gift you've been given is not special because I promise you that it is. So what does the use of our God-given gifts ultimately require of us? It requires surrender. Ministry requires surrender of our gifts to his will for use as he intends so that we become stewards of the gospel. Now, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9.23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessings. Y'all, the word gospel literally means good news. We are so full of the good news that we can't help but want to share that with other people, right? I mean, we're so full of the, the joy and the love and the hope that we find in our Savior that we want that for other people. And that's our main goal in ministry. We want other people to accept the love of Christ into their heart because we know that when you do that, it's life-changing. And the thing is, is, is I believe that when we surrender to God's will for our gifts and using them for his glory, we also begin to see his provisions in a new light. More doors continue to open for us because we've stepped out in faith to what God was asking us to do. We said yes without knowing exactly what that yes may look like. And friends, I just want to remind you today that your best yes will always be saying yes to God. I want to end by sharing this story with you guys. So when I was at the end of my pregnancy um, with my second son, Nash, I was exhausted. Like, mom tired times 10. Got a toddler running around at home, not sure how I'm going to manage two kids like this. And I felt like I needed to take a step back. Like, something had to give. I can't keep serving in all these roles I'm serving in and continue to do them well. So I had a conversation with KT. Um, so for those of you who don't know, KT was our former student pastor and um, a worship leader here also. And I remember talking with him, and I said, you know, KT, when this baby comes, I, I got to take a step back. I can do two Sundays a month, but that's it. Because um, I think that I just need to, to be attending church with my family, and, and that's kind of what they need, right? Y'all, even as I said those words to him, they didn't sit right with me. And I remember thinking, well, that's really just anxiety. Like, I'm, I'm anxious about this new baby. I'm emotional. There's all kinds of hormones right now. In reality, I know what God was saying was, oh, you think I want you to take a step back? That's cute. That's not at all what God wanted for me. And ultimately, I was trying to run from what he was asking me to do. So fast forward to December. It's about a month after I've had Nash. And... Pastor Kevin and some of the staff come to our home, bring us lunch, see the baby, and Kevin tells me that he needs to talk to me. I already knew in my heart what Kevin was going to ask me. And despite having to work through some of the logistics and, and pray through it, talk through it with Jason, I also knew that I had to say yes. So I said yes to being the worship pastor for Vortex Church. You see, in those moments and in, in those conversations I had with Kevin, I realized that, yeah, my kids needed to see me attending church with them as a family. But what they really needed to see was their mom serving and using the God-given gifts for his glory. They needed to see me giving back to God the way that he had given me these two precious blessings. And the thing is, is, is after I, I agreed to take that job, I saw God open many more doors for me. I got a job um, working from home that allowed me more financial freedom, that allowed me more flexibility to be a mom and a wife and a worship pastor. 
And I've, I've grown so much spiritually in ways that I never would have had I not said yes to this. And I've developed these amazing relationships with the people behind me um, that just means so much to me. And the thing is, is, you know, I don't, I don't want you to believe that when you say yes, that the enemy is not going to try to attack you because trust me, he will. I have doubted myself more times since taking this role than I care to admit. But God has continued to show me that he has always provided and he will always provide. So I leave you with this question today. What gift is God asking you to surrender today so that you can truly step into his call for your life? Now, I want to say we have three kids together. Um, Our youngest is five, and um, like most five-year-olds, they're going to test you in so many ways. And um, as a parent, you've probably had moments where you had to discipline your kid, and you experienced this crushing and this, like, just, um, I don't know, it was just heartbreaking moment. And I had that with Cade. Cade was not being his best self at all. Um, And he required some discipline. So after I disciplined him, he was just heartbroken. His eyes were just streaming with tears. He was just hurting. He um, just came to me and he looked at me and he said, Mommy, why do you hate me? how can I hate you? Like, what do you mean? He didn't understand that discipline was me loving him. So I scooped him up and I held him close. And I'm like, I had to discipline you because I love you and I want more for you and I want to grow you. There is something great that I, that I know that you're going to do. And I just, you've got to be disciplined. And I think sometimes me personally, I look at God that way. I'll go through the pain of some discipline where God has done something in my life, and I just look to him, and I'm like, God, do you love me? Do you hate me? Like, what's going on? Like, why am I dealing with this? And I think the most loving thing he can do for us is discipline us. And sometimes we need to learn how to choose our pain because discipline is painful, but not walking in discipline is also painful. And I've had my share of pain. In fact, in in the last five years, some of the most painful things have been right after having Kate, I had postpartum depression. It lasted a while. It was not a quick episode. It was very, very long season of depression. Then a couple years ago, I actually got the opportunity to speak about the Holy Spirit, and um, I was wrecked with a back um, injury immediately after, um, which I find very ironic. Um, But I had surgery, and I thought I was doing good, and um, that surgery did not go as I thought it would. Um, And a couple months ago, right before school ended, um, I started experiencing depression again. And that pain is not fun. And then I hurt my back at the beginning of the summer. And I'm a teacher, and you know those summers are precious. And so all of a sudden, I am faced with two of my worst pains that I've ever been through, and I have them at the same time. I know what pain is. I've been living in it. And I had surgery actually five weeks ago. But what I've learned, I'm just going to speak on in Galatians 5. 
It says, let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinders your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. Y'all know there is a war going on inside you. People may not see it, but there is a war between the flesh and the Spirit. So it goes on to say, but when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. That war between the flesh and the Spirit is real. And when you're in pain... Like, you're going to feel it in a different kind of way. The word yield in Webster's Dictionary actually means to surrender or relinquish control of another. That means you can choose to yield to yourself, your self-life, or you can choose to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I have yielded to myself, and it has not went well. But we need to step aside And yield to the Holy Spirit. Because you know what happens? When you yield to the Holy Spirit, God actually uses our pain to help us. He actually uses our pain to even help us yield to Him. And when you yield to the Holy Spirit, everything changes. What happens is what is painful becomes purposeful. What happens when you yield to the Holy Spirit is that what, when you were infertile, all of a sudden you see something different because the Holy Spirit tells you something different. When you're depressed, when you're yielding to your flesh, your flesh is saying, I am not worthy. I do not deserve this. I cannot. But you know what the Holy Spirit is? What he does when you yield to him? The Holy Spirit says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my beloved. You are made for this, this purpose. That you may not be able to do it without me, but yield to me. Your flesh will say that you are a victim to your circumstance. And I'm going to tell you what, I have owned the victim card too many times. But you want to know what the Holy Spirit says? When you yield to the Holy Spirit, instead of being a victim, you are victorious. You are victorious. I don't know about you, but when I yield to the Holy Spirit, he gives me something great, and he does not waste this pain. He uses this pain for his purpose and his glory. And so I am just asking you to think about where have you yielded to yourself, maybe to your pride, instead of allowed God to give you freedom in areas that you have. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.